podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De Bruyne, oh, one mil city! Funnels! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of A Tad Predictable. We are back. The games are coming thick and fast. And we're going to be bringing back Bank It or Burn It this week. And there's no better person to bring onto the show if we're doing that than the reigning defending I, I want to say undisputed champion, but Guy seems to be disputing it. I don't know if he has much of a claim, but Jake Jackman, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I think I'm definitely disputed at this point, but um, <laughs> I'll still uh, I'll still take the disputed champion. That's fine. Yeah, you, you take it as it comes. You take it as it comes. Um, Jake, obviously your team didn't get to play last week. Their game was postponed, and I, I'm sure we'll dive into that when we when we get to the your fix, specific fixture this week. But how do you think the league is going to be taking on this, what usually is, in quotes, the, the busy period, but it seems like the whole season's been the busy period, but December, two games a week now for everybody. Yeah, um, this is normally the, the highlight of the, the season, the Christmas period, and it's, it's unique to England, and it's always good to... Um, you know, to have football on Boxing Day and to have football uh, three games a week, but it does feel, as you as you just said, it's been this way for for a few months now. So it does it doesn't feel particularly that different, especially for for Champions League teams. They've been playing in the Champions League every week anyway, so it's it's no different at all. But um, I guess we're going to see more more injuries than normal. And I guess this is this is a period that often has a lot of injuries anyway, so it's going to be even more than normal um, because of the the increased scheduling. Um, and the lack of a pre-season. Uh, I'm not sure how much that will still play into things. I'm sure players have got fit now. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You've got the added um, COVID uh, element to it with players continually getting tested. We've seen Newcastle, my team, have a outbreak recently and saw a game cancelled. And with players being allowed to, to go off and form um, family bubbles at some point, there could be more, more COVID uh, issues that arise. That's another thing to consider. But yeah, it, it's... It's not going to feel as, as as special this year, I don't think. I think it's just going to be more of the same, but um, still good to to have football, um, a lot more of it anyway. And uh, I think we're going to see the the league table really take shape because you're going to, although there's maybe not more football matches being played, um, there's more Premier League football matches being played, and you're going to see that the true title contenders really emerge because I think there's still um, a few teams that that are in in the discussion at the moment. There's not anybody really clearly going through at the top of the league um, and then at the bottom of the league as well we'll, we'll see that really crystallise as well so it's, it's going to be an exciting period but yeah I, I don't think it's going to be as, uh, as special as it normally is and I think that by the time the season ends we're all going to be a bit footballed out to be honest <laughs> Yeah it, it's looked like it's shaping that way but um, I do agree with you in terms of the shine of, of what the Christmas period is for British football kind of has been taken away and you you mentioned the the potential injuries and um, I mean it might actually end up being an advantage for the teams that have been playing midweek games so so the top sides uh, in inverted commas if if people want to phrase it that way because a lot of their players will be used to playing two times a week and or at least their chronic load would have been built up by now well, those that haven't been injured this is something that um majority of the league is now going to have to adapt to and it will be interesting to see uh i i just 
best wishes to anyone that plays fantasy football because I I have no clue how you manage to get 11 players every single week this coming period. I think that's going to be a nightmare for majority of people. But focusing on this specific weekend, is there a fixture? I'm, I'm looking down the fixture list and there's obviously a glaringly obvious one. But we saw with Obi last week, he tried to avoid the gla- glaringly obvious um, fixture of the weekend. Do you have one in particular or just because Newcastle are back and it's been too long, uh, you're going to pick Newcastle West Brom? Um, no, I'm not going to pick Newcastle West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> I actually quite enjoyed having a weekend about watching uh, Newcastle play football because we are pretty terrible at it. And oh, no. our, last result, <laughs> our last result was a win. Over over Crystal Palace, famously the darlings of this podcast. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to nice to end on a win. So yeah, if we return, we might have to we might lose the match, which yeah, but it's definitely one of the it's definitely mixed feelings. But no, I'm excited to watch it. But I think I'll avoid the glaringly obviously glaringly obvious one because um, I'm sure we'll come on to it. But I'm quite excited to watch Everton Chelsea. I think that Everton have gone off gone off it a little bit in recent weeks. I think that uh, Calvert Lewin's still scoring. I think Richarlison's playing well, but. The, the injuries they've had, especially Lucas Dean, is uh, they they've uh, suffered for it, and um, and Shorty still seems to be finding the right um, collection of players and and the right style. So it's still a bit of a work in progress. And Chelsea been really impressed with them um, this year. They they seem to have really kicked on um, after a, a shakyish start. They they've really put in some really good performances. The defense has got a lot better. Uh, the attacking players have started to gel. Um, Timo Werner looks like he's ready to, to go off at any moment. I think that we've seen a lot of positive signs, but I think there's a lot more to come from him. Um, and we could see that in, in the month of December. So I'm um, excited to see that. And it's it's a big one for Chelsea because um, they have had a few problems at Goodison in the last couple of years. I know they lost their last year, so it would be a big fixture for them against their former manager. Um, and they're really emerging as title contenders. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to, if they manage to win that, that that's really going to push forward their claim. So I'm excited for that one. It's a tricky game, but one that I think Chelsea have got a good chance of winning. I won't spoil my prediction yet, but um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I think it's it's going to tell us a lot about um, Chelsea under Lampard because it's it's not a huge game, but it's big enough that you can you can take some conclusions from it. And I think it's one of those games where if you are going to be title contenders, then you you have to go and win as tough as it is, as you say. And we will get onto that. Um, I'm just enjoying the fact that there are quite a lot of tasty fixtures this week and, and important fixtures. Um, we'll kick it off with Leeds versus West Ham. Um, both teams, they've had their ups and down moments this season. Um, obviously, both teams are coming off of losses this past week. Maybe different types of losses, uh, but losses nonetheless. And, and you still don't get the points in those games. How do you think that the two teams are going to be looking for a response in this one? Yeah, this is going to be quite a good game. It's probably one of the, the underrated fixtures of the weekend. Um, West Ham have been quietly very good. I remember coming on at the start of the season. Um, and you, you wouldn't predict West Ham winning a game for six or seven weeks. They had a really tough start. Um, but then they managed to pick up some surprise wins, beat Leicester, beat Wolves, um, got that draw against Spurs. And they, they've looked a lot better. Uh, and David Moy seems to have really um, sort of re-established his, itself and, and repaired his reputation somewhat. Um, so they're up in eighth place. And if you if you look at purely the way these two teams have been covered recently, you'd think that Leeds was the team in the top half of the table, but it's West Ham. And um, yeah, the, the, it's going to be a, a, a really interesting watch. I think that Leeds, they've already announced their starting eleven, which uh, you're speaking about fantasy football. Uh, players earlier they'll be delighted that they can rely on Bielsa to give his team away a few days before the match but um yeah it it's it's I think that Leeds be really good to watch but the thing about Leeds is you just don't know which version you're going to get it's going to always going to be high intensity but sometimes they're going to get an early goal and really um dominate matches and other times they can um be torn apart a little bit um we saw that against Palace a few weeks ago especially Leicester as well not sure that the same applies against Chelsea I just think they were beaten by a better team but they can't always be relied upon for that consistent level of performance. But um, in this one, I think that if Antonio is not playing for West Ham, which I don't think he's he's going to be, I think that um, that's going to be a huge miss. And the way Leeds play, um, it's going to be um, difficult for West Ham, I think, because they won't really have come up against 
such a positive um, style of play um, that isn't one of the top teams for a while. And I think that will catch a lot of teams by surprise with Leeds. We've seen it a few times already this season. But um, yeah, I think Leeds have been disappointed a few times um, with the results recently. But I think that they should have enough to to win this one. Um, And I think West Ham might be trending in the opposite direction. So yeah, I think I'm going to tip Leeds to to win this one. I think I'm going to go... Um, two nil leads. I think that West Ham are really going to miss um, Antonio, and um, yeah, I think they they might struggle to create against Leeds because um, Leeds can be vulnerable at the back, but the way they defend is by dominating the ball and pressing so high. And I think that their intensity is going to going to mean that West Ham don't really get into their final third much at all to create. So yeah, I think I'm going to tip the Leeds win two um, nil. And I think the the thing for West Ham is because they're very similar to like Crystal Palace in that when their main guy isn't there, they look a completely different team uh, because they're such a focal point. And uh, maybe it's being too harsh because if you take the, the most important player out of any team, most teams will look different. But I think it's quite distinctive for those two teams and it, it changes how they play and, and where they attack from, from my perspective. I think, as you say, if Antonio's not in there, it's going to be a long day for, or long night for Leeds because it's going to be a game on Friday night. Um, I'm long night for West Ham, it being Friday night. And I'm, I'm going to double down with you, but um, I, I think West Ham still have a goal in them with or without Mikel Antonio, just because that's what Leeds United games do from, from my experience this season is that uh, I'm, I've given up trying to hope for a clean sheet from a Leeds game, um, maybe they've 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 had one uh, in their last five, but yeah, it's it's it's. I'm not too optimistic. They've had two in their last five, but once again, a majority of the time it's them conceding a goal, something silly. But I'm gonna go with the two-one to Leeds United in this game, and we'll move on to the game that follows this, which is, I mean, it's another exciting game from my perspective. It's Wolves versus Aston Villa. Aston Villa side that wouldn't have expected the start they had. You probably could have reversed the starts of the two teams in how Wolves started and how Villa started. But do do these teams return back to normality or is it going to be another upstream for Aston Villa? Yeah, this is a difficult one to predict. I think that Wolves definitely miss him and as he saw that last week against Liverpool, I thought that in attack they were they were very much blunted without and they didn't have a focal point and um didn't really cause Liverpool too many problems considering um that Liverpool were missing a few players at the back. So yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with them there. I think it's gonna take them three or four matches to adapt really without Jimenez because he's been there their sort of talisman for such a long time. Um, and they've got Silver that they've brought in, the young Portuguese striker. But I think it's unfair to, to expect him to come straight in um, and carry out that role with such limited uh, senior football experience. So it's it's really difficult to, to get a reading on, on Leeds, uh, on Wolves, sorry. I think that they, they beat Arsenal after Jimenez went off, so they could take confidence from that. But Arsenal's results since, and even before that, <laughs> suggests that that's not, too great a result really it's not beating one of the top six teams really because Arsenal are, are performing at a mid-table level at the moment um, and they've got their own problems so it's going to be an interesting match that we're going to we're going to learn a lot about Wolves and, and where they where they can potentially finish without Jimenez um, but yeah Villa they're going to have they've had a week off uh, they'll be well rested uh, I think that's that might give them a little bit of an advantage uh, as opposed to, to Newcastle who we'll come on to in a minute but Newcastle haven't been training for, for a week and a half so they might have lost a bit of an edge whereas Aston Villa they haven't had to play a match they've been fully focused on this match they've had longer to prepare um, they managed to probably shake off a couple of niggling injuries that they might have had so yeah I think that Villa are going to return um, to action in quite a positive manner um, so yeah I think I might might tip uh, Villa to win this one. I've been really impressed with them for most of their games. I think they've got a little bit unlucky um, in their last couple of fixtures. I think they, they, they've perhaps not got the, the results they deserved, um, especially against Southampton. And um, in, in that game in particular, I thought they were they were quite unlucky. They they scored a couple of goals late to, 
to make the scoreline a bit more respectable. But Southampton scored two from three kicks and one from outside the area. So it was quite unfortunate that they, they didn't concede too many clear-cut chances. Um, you could say the same about the Brighton game as well. Um, so yeah, still pretty high on Aston Villa. Um, they only tip them to win. Don't think they'll get a clean sheet. I think I'll, I'll go for the 2-1 Aston Villa. But my perhaps prize selection might be Connor Cody to score. He's, oh he, he hasn't had a word. shot. He, <laughs> he hasn't had a goal attempt in about three years. But he was up at the corners last week. Obviously, dived to to get that a penalty uh, that got rescinded. But yeah, he he was in the action. He was he was getting into positions. So yeah, I think you'll get good odds on him to score, considering he hasn't had a goal attempt in three or four years. So yeah, get maybe take a look at that that bet over the next few weeks because you might get a much better price than you will once he starts to get a few few attempts and maybe a goal. So yeah, Connor Cody to score might be my, my long shot for the podcast. Yeah, you got to get ahead of it early if you want to get those big bucks. Um, I, I enjoy that shout. I think it's a really good shout. He'll also be looking for a, sort of like a redemption game, if you can call it that, because everything seemed to go wrong for him in that Liverpool game and then the dive and he was involved in pretty much all the goals for Liverpool, unfortunately for him, obviously being a Liverpool Academy player. So it would be nice for him to, you know, shake that game off, come into this one, get a win, get a, a goal, um, especially at home at Molyneux. I think I think that would be a lovely, lovely thing. Unfortunately I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> but I, I do do I do like the shout. Um I'm gonna go for a one nil Aston Villa win. I I like what you said about the amount of time that they've got to prepare for this game and I agree with that. And you know, we've spoken about obviously the fixtures that are coming up and how thick and fast they are coming up. They they've kind of had a chance to just reset, regroup and actually probably focus in on how they're going to attack this busy picture um fixture period. And I think this game is just it's not gonna it's not gonna gel too well for Wolves coming up against a team that is as focused and as rested, especially having run around and and, and played at Anfield and, and not maybe, you know, some of the performance was okay, but the result must have been a, a really big blow for them, even if it is Liverpool. It hasn't been it's it's definitely not Liverpool from last season. So their players might be feeling a bit dejected from that as well. So it, it's unfortunate for them that then it gets compounded with this Aston Villa win. Uh, but yeah, so both well, we've both agreed on how games are going to go so far. Um, I'm pretty sure I know how you're going to um, predict how the next game is going to go. It's Newcastle versus West Brom. Yeah. Um, it's a really difficult one to predict. Um, we know it's going to go ahead, so you've got that to go on. Uh, the Newcastle training ground reopened a couple of days ago, um, but we still we still haven't had the the information of, of which players have actually been impacted um, and tested positive. So um, we still don't really know what the Newcastle team is going to look like. And from reading today, they've still got um, um, positive tests in in, in the uh, double figures. So might be a, quite a few first-team players missing, so I guess that can be a positive for West Brom. And, um, not training for a week um, it's not going to have as big an impact as, as over the lockdown period, but it's, to, to lose that intensity for a week, it's, it's going to have some sort of an impact, whether that being that the Newcastle start the game slow or they tire quickly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this goes. I think that West Brom were completely destroyed last week by Crystal Palace, albeit they were down to 10 men. Um, I think missing uh, Pereira is going to be quite a big miss for them. I think he creates a lot of their chances um, and does um, control a lot of what they do in possession. So missing him, I think, is, is, a, is a bonus for Newcastle. But yes, yeah, it's a really difficult one. I, I'm not going to predict a Newcastle loss, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to go for a 2-0 Newcastle win. Um and Callum Wilson to score. I'm just hoping, as long as Callum Wilson hasn't tested positive and is is made is not available, then I think we should be okay. But um, yeah, it's, we're going to learn a lot more about uh, what sort of team we'll expect from Newcastle in the next couple of days. But yeah, going in blind, I'll go blindly optimistic and go for two 0 because I think that 
Although West Brom maybe got a little bit better before the defeat to Palace, I think they're still one of the worst three teams in the league. And I think Newcastle are in the worst five or six, but I don't think we're in the bottom three. So yeah, I think we should beat West Brom in theory if we have enough players available. So yeah, I'll, I'll go for the 2-0 prediction. With the Wilson goal. That's pretty cool. Um, and I will obviously love to hear more from your perspective we've got you here obviously newcastle fan how how does it shape you know the the fans going into a weekend like last weekend you knew newcastle aren't going to be playing does that then you don't have as much interest in how the league goes or for that specific week or how, how were you feeling after last week and then obviously heading into this week you mentioned you're not sure about who's actually going to be playing in this game and and what that entails. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think that um, last weekend I probably enjoyed the the weekend more for not having Newcastle playing because <laughs> watching Newcastle is not great fun at the moment. Um, even the the weekend before um, when we beat Palace, um, we got the three points, but it wasn't a great performance. It was two last minute goals, and it was it was getting that out of the way on the Friday probably meant I enjoyed the rest of the football a lot more. So um, I'm happy it's coming back. We're in quite a relatively comfortable position in, in mid-table at the moment. We've got a few pos- uh, good games coming up. I think we've got West Brom, Leeds and Fulham very close together. So, um, yeah, three three games where we've got a good chance of winning. Um, so, yeah, it, it was weird last week. Um, I can't say I particularly was disappointed the game didn't happen but um, I'm glad that they're, they're, they're back and playing football because it, at one point it did look like that this game might be postponed and then the Leeds game might be postponed then you start to think what sort of an impact that could have in the long term you know not playing these matches you're going to have so much to catch up on you'd have been missing two to three weeks of training then and you can only think that would have a, a hugely negative impact so yeah I'm glad that, that they've managed to get it back under control um, so in, in some sort of way. I think it's still going to impact the club for a couple of weeks yet, but um, hopefully it's, it's trending in the right di- direction. And I'm glad I've got a football team to, to watch and support at the weekend. But um, yeah, I can't say I really missed it for one weekend. I was uh, following the football um, without the worry of a, a, a Steve Bruce performance to, to, to get me down. So yeah, I'm happy it's back, but um, Newcastle fans are probably some of the the least enthused about their club at the moment. So, if any team was gonna gonna miss a game, it's the, they're the ones that will be least worried about that. I see. I see. Um, yeah, that, it, it was definitely interesting from my perspective. As you said, because it was a Friday game, maybe it didn't register how much of a, of a miss it was than necessarily if if it was on another day. But I did find it. First of all, interesting that it took the league this long to have a game that was postponed. I thought it was going to come soon. Obviously, you you don't wish that on anyone or on a league or anything like that. But I just thought, you know, it it was going to happen sooner. And then you mentioned, you know, for all the things we the positive things we mentioned about this break for Aston Villa, just the fact that we don't know the state of that Newcastle team, I'm gonna have to be very wary of how they come into this game not being able to train you can only do so much via zoom calls and stuff like that and especially for a football team I mean you you do need to be training you do need to be out there as a unit working on stuff and I think that's going to be Newcastle's downfall in this I'm going to go for a 1-0 West Brom win unfortunately (laughs) and I think it's purely because I don't think Newcastle have had enough time on the pitch, on the training pitch that is, to prepare for this game. And any players that may have been affected, even if they are back, we've seen other athletes from other sports that have mentioned, you know, even once they've gone through that period where they've had it and it's now gone and and they're back playing sport, it still has an effect on them and they're not 100%. Look, I, I know everyone's different, but... I. Just there's just too many things that are going against Newcastle at the moment that I just think West Brom are going to be able to capitalize on this and and sneak a one nil win. Um, and I'll swiftly move on because <laughs> I can feel I can feel the animosity <laughs> coming through the screen. Um, we'll move on to Man United versus Man City. Many people probably say this is the game of the weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if 
everybody is watching it, irrespective of which fan group you are. Do you think this game is going to live up to the hype, if we can call it that? Um, yeah, I think I think it will do. I think that um, you you sort of get a feeling with with some big games, it's not gonna it, it's not gonna quite be the the watch for the neutral. You definitely got that from uh, the Chelsea Manchester United game a few weeks ago, which ended nil nil. Consequently, so it does feel like I'm speaking with the view of hindsight, but it, it was a bit of a dull game um, regardless. Um, but yeah, I think this one will. I think Man City are starting to click into an attacking gear. Um, starting to score a few more goals. De Bruyne looks a lot more like the player he was last season. Um, Sterling got a, a goal last week, and obviously weekend before they scored five past Burnley. So you've got to be pretty confident that um, they're going to cause problems for Manchester United. Um, they've just come out of the Champions League. Um, disappoint. They'll be very disappointed from that. They've had the the whole Pogba thing going on, which will be a distraction. Um, yeah, it's not been a great week for them. And uh, normally in these in these uh, Manchester derbies, there's a few goals. It's normally quite a good watch. Um, the last couple of years, Manchester United have actually had the better of it. They've got a couple of big wins over Pep Guardiola. So um, that would be fresh in the mind of both sets of players. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Manchester United's defence is good enough to keep Manchester City out. And, and likewise, I don't think Manchester City are, are good enough at the back to, to defend Manchester United on the counter. I think it's a, a game that that plays into both of their hands, to be honest. Manchester United want to play on the counter. They want to get Rashford, Martial, um, Greenwood running in behind if they're all fit. They want Bruno getting on the ball in space. And they're going to be given that opportunity against Manchester City. And, and likewise, Manchester City want to play through teams. Um, and they've got the players that, that will cause Manchester United a lot of problems. That Manchester United are not going to be like Tottenham and sit in deep and, and contain Manchester City because they're just not good enough defensively to do that. So I think there's definitely going to be goals at both ends. I think it's going. To, I think there could be yeah, quite a few goals. Um, I've probably leaned towards Manchester City. They just seem to be building a bit of positive momentum um, as opposed to Manchester United, who always seem to be on lurching from from match to match. Every match having such a big impact on on how Solskjaer is viewed always seems to be on on the verge of a crisis and especially after that loss of the Champions League um, they'll really need to get a positive result in this one and that'll add a little bit of pressure that that could have a have an impact potentially in the card stakes maybe there'll be a red card in this one Um, but yeah I think I'm I think I'm going to go for a 3-2 Manchester City win definitely think there's going to be goals and I think that um, yeah if you (laughs) You do play fancy football. I think that Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne could both have very good afternoons, regardless of which one comes out on top. Definitely a game for the attacking-minded players. And I agree with you in that both teams defensively aren't looking too hot. So it's it's shaping into a game that would be really good for just casual viewers that enjoy watching attacking football. I think Man United are going to try and sit deep and play on the counter, but hopefully they don't stay too deep because as as you say City are going to enjoy the fact that they can have so much possession and pass it around Man United I don't know if their defensive structure can withhold something like that for too long so they they basically I, I for me I see Man United need to be ahead in in this game to stand a chance of staying close because once City go ahead I I think it's going to be difficult for United trying to wrestle possession away from them and, and try and be dominant to try and get back into the game. Whereas if they're playing on the counter-attack the entire game, I think it will favour them. So maybe from a viewing perspective, uh, Man United going ahead and then City having to try and break them down, knowing that Man United aren't like a Mourinho side that are structurally sound defensively could be fun viewing just... Because Man United know one goal is not going to be enough in this game. They're going to need two or three to stand a chance of either getting a point or getting a win. I like your 3-2 scoreline. I think it's going to be 4-2. I think it's going to be 4-2. And I want to give it to Man United. Which is, it, it may be a surprise, but just so much is going wrong this past week that Oli has some magic that he's going to pull out. He needs a win and he's going to pull out a win. Um, the pressure, obviously, you mentioned going out of the Champions League. They 
have the Pogba situation that's going on. He comes on and scores in the Champions League in any case. Um, so it'll be interesting what team he brings out. But just being able to play on the counter-attack, being able to run at a city defense that isn't so sound and will be looking to get on the attacking front, I think Man United could come out with the win just because Oli will always do enough to stay in the job, it seems, at the moment. And a win against Man City probably buys him at least until like February or something like that. So I think just for his longevity in the United job, I think he needs a win. So I'm going to go for a big win, uh, a 4-2 win. And, and Oli, you know, gets the praises and he gets to stay in his job for a little bit longer. I, I do think Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne, it's going to be interesting viewing to see who of them stands out the most. But I would probably highlight those two as the players that are going to stand out the most. And the game that follows this one, it's the game you mentioned. And it's another game that many people, I, I do believe, will be watching. It's Everton versus Chelsea. Um you you wax lyrical a little bit about this. I, I'd love for you to expand on it. You you mentioned the fact that it would this count as an Ancelotti derby? Yeah, maybe it does. Uh, he's obviously managed both teams, won the the title of Chelsea. Um, so yeah, you'll definitely have a bit of uh, added um, motivation to get a win here, especially with the way things have been going for Everton. They've not been doing too great, albeit they did win last week. Um, but yeah, they've. Um, not been going as well for them down in ninth position. <laughs> Only a couple of points behind the likes of Man City and Man United. So maybe it's not going as bad as we say. And, and if they do win at the weekend, they'd go two points behind Chelsea. We, I think a title contenders this year. So although it's not been great recently, they're still in a, a very good position uh, compared to where they have been in the last couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, it's going to be difficult for them. I think their, their fixture run over the next few weeks is, is difficult as well. Um, I do think Chelsea look really good this year. I think that the bringing in, in Mondi and, and Thiago Silva and Chilwell has really improved the the back line. Obviously, in attack, they've got a lot better. Um, and recently, bringing Giroud back into the team has, has added a little bit um, of an extra dimension. I think he links up the game a lot better than Tammy Abraham and and he's been scoring goals. So, um, yeah, I think Chelsea are looking really, really good. Um, I think they were unlucky not to beat Tottenham a couple of weeks ago as well. They had a, a few good chances um, falling to Tammy Abraham and that. And if Giroud had been on the pitch, maybe they would have won that match. So, yeah, they're in a really strong position. Um, and I would expect them to win against Everton. I think that they're just they're peaking at the right time over Christmas. Um, and, and they've got the likes of Havertz and, and Werner and, and Pulisic. Um, all have got a lot more to give uh, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit so yeah I think that they'll have enough I think Everton are just too leaky at the back um, I think they might be able to get a goal against Chelsea even if Chelsea's defence has improved recently but I just can't see them being able to keep Chelsea down to to less than two and I, even that I think they're, they're going to concede more than that I think Pickford's not good enough anymore um, I think that the rest of their defence is shaky at best. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna t I'm gonna tip a quite a comfortable Chelsea win. I think I'm gonna go three one. Um, and yeah, I think that this is the weekend where everybody thought. I think last weekend everybody was talking about Tottenham and, and them being potential title contenders, and I'm sure that will continue. But I think this weekend is going to be the weekend for Chelsea, and I think they're the ones that are going to emerge with the most credit and and really be talked up. That would be music to Chelsea fans' ears. And it's obviously the last game that we played on Saturday, which is a BT Sports sandwich with two Sky games uh, in between that. And obviously you being in the UK as well are well aware of the struggles that we have with which subscriptions and stuff to get. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that that struggle is long in the past for me. Because our good friends, our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield, hooked your boy up. Um, and I've now got VPN and have sorted out my viewings for Premier League games this season, as well as any other viewings that I fancy. Um, so once again, um, our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield, the show is presented by them and by EPLindex.com. If you want to check out their services, Head over to libertyshield.com. You can sort yourself out with a VPN. As I said, this 
Saturday's games as a BT sports sandwich with Sky Sports in between. But if you don't want to have to play musical chairs with your subscriptions or even knowing where to turn on to find a game, if you're here in the UK especially, then I highly recommend you link up with our presenting sponsors. Um, yeah, I, I just thought I would be... <laughs> I would just show off at the fact that I'm now that problem is now long in the past for me, Jake. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> still still in the subscription uh, <laughs> <laughs> nightmare, but um, yeah, it, it's a hassle. It's a hassle. Um, but we'll move on to our lovely segment that makes its return this week. It's bank it or burn it. Um, as I mentioned, Jake is the defending champion. He destroyed all of the competitors that have been on previously. We had two weeks ago, we had our team's power rankings. Then last week, we had our players' power rankings. And now it's a good time, I think, to bring back Bank It or Burn It. We'll look at those power rankings later on, maybe next month or something, uh, just to see how teams are shaping up. But Jake, are you, are you ready to defend your title? Yeah, I'm ready. I think I need to put an even higher score on the board. So yeah, I'm ready for that. It was what, 17 out of 23? Yeah, I think we need to get that up to at least the 20 mark. Let's see if oh, we can. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, Once again, the fixtures for this week, Um, it's Leeds versus West Ham, Wolves versus Aston Villa, Newcastle versus West Brom, Man United versus Man City, Everton versus Chelsea. For those of you that are new to the show or just can't remember because it's been a while since we've played it, I'm going to ask Jake a series of five questions in relation to the five fixtures that I've just mentioned. And he's going to shout bank it if he thinks it's going to happen or burn it if he doesn't think it's going to happen. I'll have 15 seconds on the clock. I'll just run through the questions quickly. We have question A, over 30 tackles. B, less than four yellow cards, C, over five shots on target, D, outside the box goal, E, point to the heavens goal celebration. Uh, you've got your head around the questions. You ready to crack on? Yeah, ready to crack on. I think awesome. I'm uh, prepared for this. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'm going to get 15 seconds on the clock and... Our first fixture is Leeds United versus West Ham. Your time starts now. Over 30 tackles. Bank it. Less than four yellow cards. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Burn it. Lovely. Burn it to end it. Our next fixture comes in it's Wolves versus Aston Villa um, this is a fixture that you said 2-1 to Aston Villa but with a Connor Cody goal am I correct so we'll yes. see if that has an impact on yeah oh I wonder if the Cody goals the outside of the box screamer maybe hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> your time starts now over 30 tackles burn it Less than four yellow cards. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Oh, point to the heavens goal celebration. Bank it. Bank it. <laughs> I think that's uh, Connie, uh, Connor Cody's uh, celebration, I think. Which oh. would know. We haven't seen it in such a long time. <laughs> I, reckon he'll t I reckon he'll pat the badge. Yeah, he could be a, a badge. He, badge he looks like a badge padder kind of guy. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. He's definitely scoring this weekend, as Jake has mentioned. So we'll definitely be looking forward to that one. You will be looking forward to this Newcastle game. Uh, uh, they're finally back in action. Um, five questions, 15 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. Over 30 tackles. Bank it. Less than four yellow cards. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal celebration. A uh, goal. Bank it. <laughs> Point to the Evans goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it. Okay, okay. I think I'm lining up the uh, John Joe Shelby goal in that one. 
Oh, I see. I see. That's good yeah. logic. He he he's due a goal. He's due. A goal. Yeah. That's another Liverpool. So two former Liverpool players that are going to be scoring this weekend. It seems. Yeah, get him in a double. That's what I do. Ah, you do. That's the trick. That's the trick. It, it's not enough to get the Conor Cody goal. <laughs> you throw in a John Joe Shelby outside the box screamer as well. Oh, what a yeah. weekend it would be. Uh, what a weekend will be for one of these teams they're hoping. Certainly, I don't see any of them hoping for a draw in this game. It's Man United versus Man City. Your time starts. Oh, I started the clock early. Your time starts now. Over 30 tackles. Bank it. Less than four yellow cards. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Bank it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Bank it. Oh. Do you have a shot for who's going to be it? Uh, It's got to be De Bruyne or or Fernandez. One of them. Oh, yeah. uh... Yeah, yeah. Capable. The Brazilians but, um, usually do point point to the heavens, so if it be for Fernandinho, one would be a good shot. Yeah, um, yeah, it's old Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's a another good one. shot as well. And lastly, we've got Everton versus Chelsea. Five questions, fifteen seconds. Your time starts now. Over thirty tackles. Burn it. Less than four yellow cards. Bank it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it to end it off. Round yeah. it off. You you're very confident in that one as a champion <laughs> would be. So I'm I'm I wasn't worried at all. Um and I think also I mean, we I'm I'm hoping for a lot of yellow cards and a lot of shots on target. <laughs> no, I think I pretty much that. predicted that in every single one of them. It's <laughs> gonna be a very spicy weekend, I think. Yeah. Oh, it will be interesting. Uh, someone who's hoping that they'll maybe not have a too spicy game in terms of drama, but at least a comfortable, confident win, considering where their oppositions are on the league, whereas on the opposite end, it's Sheffield United. Uh, they'll be hoping to get a W finally. Uh, Southampton versus Sheffield United. Is are you giving Sheffield United a hope in this game? Is this the the game they finally get the win? Yeah, it's 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 a really difficult one. I think Sheffield United have been really unlucky this this season. I think they've created a lot of good chances, and they've not been too bad at the back. I think that they've there's just been a couple of intangibles that have gone against them. I think that Henderson being replaced by Ramsdale, I think we can all look at now is quite a big downgrade, and uh, that's maybe why they're conceding a few more. Um, although it's, I think it's unfair to put it all on Ramsdale, but I think that there's definitely been a drop in quality in, in that position. And I think up front, there's just a lack of confidence. I just think that their big chances they're creating, I think they had it a, a couple of weeks ago uh, where George Baldock had one. At least Mousset had a chance. They're just not falling to the people they'd want them to fall to. I think that McBurney is a player that could score goals, but he just doesn't seem to be getting the chances created for him. I think Brewster is another one, but he's just going to need to grow in confidence. Uh, and last year they had Fleck and, and Lundstrom scoring a lot of their goals and those two just haven't quite been at it this year. So just think that it, it's difficult and, and the more games to go past without a win, the less confident they'll be, the less uh, assured the players will be to, to, to take take shots. Um, so yeah, it does seem to be a downward spiral. I think that they will get results at some point, but I think that I don't know if they're going to be able to get enough. I just think that we're seeing this year a lack of quality in that squad, especially in attack. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Whereas with Southampton, they've just got Danny Ings back. They've, they've been firing without him. So I think with him back, especially after scoring the penalty um, to win the match on Monday, I think they'll be full of confidence. They're in, in the top, top half of the table, pushing for the top six positions at the moment. I think that they're in a really strong position. So yeah, I think that... <laughs> I think they're even in the top six at the moment. And uh, I think that Hassan Hussle is a manager um, that's probably one of the best in the league, to be honest. Um, really transform that team. So, yeah, I think they're going to get the win on Saturday. I don't think... I think it's a deep, poor fixture for Sheffield United. I think they've had a couple of decent fixtures recently uh, that they haven't been able to get points in. And, yeah, this one's not a great one. I think that Southampton are uh, just in too good a form at the moment. And, yeah, I think I'm going to go for... 
the 2-0 Southampton win. I can't see Sheffield United scoring. They've barely scored any goals so far this season. And yeah, I can't can't see them getting past Southampton. I think they're actually quite good in defence this year. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go for the for the two nil. It's going to be a difficult game for Sheffield United. And you mentioned Danny Ings is back. He was, I think, the last person they were waiting for to come back from injury. And, and they've now, as things stand, have a clean slate. Um, a, a, a team, a full squad, no injuries, heading into a game against bottom of the log Sheffield United, who haven't had a win. They've had one draw and 10 losses this season. I, I can't see any way that Sheffield United come away with anything in this game except for just hoping to move on and try and get points elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-0. I I think Southampton have shown they've got that in them this season and I think Danny Ings will be keen to get back into that top goal scorer race. Uh, He missed a couple of weeks. Obviously, you mentioned the penalty he got last week. Um, I think he's got his eyes on getting as many goals as he can and He'll be targeting a game like this. Usually those guys who are going for golden boots and the likes will be targeting games like this and and hoping to really get a few goals. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen in this one for Danny Ings. So I'm I'm going to lock in two Danny Ings goals. Um, I, I would love to say Danny Ings hat-trick, but I'm, I'm pretty sure someone's going to wrestle that third goal away from him somehow. And he might not even get the full 90 minutes just to save him. As we said, the fixtures are coming thick and fast. But yeah, I can see a 3-0 Southampton win with Danny Ng scoring at least two goals in this game. And we move on to the next game. It's Crystal Palace versus Tottenham Hotspurs, who, when I did my team power rankings, they you know, came to the top of the power rankings and they've proved that I'm a genius. <laughs> in terms of predicting the power rankings, they are looking really, really good this season. Crystal Palace, not so much. Uh, do you give Crystal Palace a chance in this game? It's at Palace, so Southurst Park, usually a tough stadium to come to. I know that has a lot to do with fans having been there previously and, and obviously not being able to come in this time around, but Tottenham just looked too good. I think I might shock you with my prediction on this oh, one. Because oh, I, I am not going to go for... I'm not going to predict the Tottenham win. I just think that they've obviously got a Europa League game as well. I think that um, it, we saw them struggle against Burnley a few weeks ago, uh, relying on a late goal from Son in that one to win it. I think that teams that set up deep against Tottenham are going to have a, a lot of success. Newcastle as well did it and got something out of the game. West Ham did it. Um, they did concede a few goals and, and got back in it very late. But games like this that don't suit Tottenham, I don't think, because Mourinho likes to set up with a deep block and play on the counter. Whereas Crystal Palace will do the same thing, and, and the, the the impetus would be on Tottenham to to play a little bit more on the front foot and, and take uh, control of the ball and create chances and break teams down. I'm not haven't seen that from them this season. Um, it's all been on the counter attack. It's all been Kane picking it up in the in the centre circle and spinning and playing Son in behind. We haven't seen them play that that um, type of football that Liverpool and Man City play regularly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a really tricky afternoon for Tottenham, similar to that Burnley game. And they got the winner there, um, somewhat fortunately. The West Brom game as well, they, they, they have that late goal from Kane to win it. It really does seem like they struggle in these matches. And I think that we're looking at Burnley and we're looking at West Brom and we're looking at Newcastle. I think Crystal Palace do it even better than those three teams. So, yeah, and with Wilfred Zaha, got a player, he's one of the most informed players in the league. Uh, and if he hadn't missed that spell uh, with COVID, I think he'd be he'd be up there with the top goal contributors. He's, I mean, he already is, but I think he'd have a couple more in there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to tip the 1-0 Crystal Palace win. And I think it's going to be a late Wilfred Zaha goal when uh, Mourinho is brought on bail and, and committed a few men forward. I think that Palace, like they did to Manchester United earlier in the season, are going to get the win here and they're going to I think it's the first game at Selhurst Park with fans back in the stadium. But yeah, I think that a 1-0 Crystal Palace victory. Look, the the podcast thanks you for such a prediction um, and also doesn't thank you for that because it's kind of contradictory in, uh, from our perspective 
Spurs are top of our power rankings, as I've mentioned, and Crystal Palace are the darlings of the podcast. So we've kind of come unstuck in this one. But from a personal perspective, as I said, I just think Tottenham are looking too good this season so far. And yes, I, I do appreciate that the roles are going to be reversed on them this time around where they're going to have to be the attacking team and they're going to have to obviously be able to handle the counterattacks coming from the likes of Zaha. But I, I think they're going to be disciplined enough to get through that. And they I, I just don't trust Crystal Palace's defense at the moment. Um, and I think that's going to be the key is how well can Crystal Palace stay in this game in terms of keeping Tottenham out of goal and, and out of scoring goals. And that just doesn't seem possible to me. I still think that Spurs attack has got enough, even if it's not going to be on the counter-attack. I still think the quality will, will outshine the quality that is at Palace, which you know comes at, at a bit less in terms of volume and, and quantity. And I'm going to go with a 2-0 Spurs win. I'm, I'm giving Spurs another clean sheet. Um, I think defensively, they're just going to keep growing and growing and... Unfortunately for Zaha, he's going to have to get his goals elsewhere because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm predicting that they're going to shut him out. But a team that has been struggling to shut teams out, it's Fulham. They're going to be entertaining a team that usually loves scoring bags of goals in Liverpool. It's at Craven Cottage. Uh, Liverpool are playing midweek. They're playing at time of recording. They're playing away from home as well at Mitchelland. Do you see them that affecting them this this coming weekend against Fulham? Obviously, it's a changed Liverpool lineup today. Uh, quite a few of their players are rested, but the likes of Salah, Fabinho are playing. Does that have much of a factor? Does that does that maybe help Fulham a little bit? Yeah, um, I think Fulham have been slowly improving. It's been a very slow improvement, but it's definitely been there. Um, the win against Leicester was very good a couple of weeks ago. I think they will pretty good against Manchester City um, prob- could have conceded a couple more but they didn't um, completely disintegrate like they did in a few fixtures already this year uh, they're definitely slowly improving um, and you compare them to, to West Brom and Sheffield United and you probably say Fulham are a team that you, you think could climb up the table a little bit you'd still expect them to be in a relegation fight but you're, you're seeing signs there and um, wouldn't quite say they're the, the whipping boys of the league anymore that said, obviously, Liverpool are the best team in the league. Um, they're current champions. Even if they do change their team a little bit, they should have enough to win here. Um, See, so I think Liverpool win. I think I think we might see Salah maybe get a rest because you've got, got Tottenham in in the week, which is such a huge game. And If he's playing in the Champions League tonight, um, when Jota got rested just this weekend past, Mane and Firmino are currently being rested in Champions League. It does seem like it's it's Salah's turn to get a rest. And so, yeah, maybe maybe he'll get a rest with the view of bringing him in all guns blazing against Tottenham. Um, but even without Salah, I think that Liverpool, I mean, he, he might play. I'm just I'm speculating. But if it say if he didn't play, I still think that they've got enough to win. And uh, yeah, it could be a could be a match for Sadio Mane to to re-establish himself as, as the second attacker in that team after the, the recent good run of Jota uh, scoring a few goals. So yeah, maybe it's going to be a an, an afternoon for Mane to, to get a couple of goals. But yeah, I think I'm going to tip a, a comfortable 3-0 Liverpool win. Um, but yeah, I think Mane could be a, a big player this weekend. Yeah, and, and he is a player that I think has needed a bit of a break in terms of just not starting every single game. He's... It seems like he plays every single game, him and Gini Wijnaldum. So it's good to see that they're getting a rest um, this midweek. Um, in terms of score predictions, I think I'm going to double down on that 3-0. Um, I did mention that Liverpool love scoring goals, but they usually don't go too excessive, um, especially with a big game coming up in the midweek, as you mentioned. It's likely that Liverpool get one or two and then just drop it down to third gear and if a third or a fourth or a you know god forbid a fifth from a Fulham's perspective comes Liverpool will take it but they won't aggressively chase it um but yeah I, I think three goals is fair enough and Fulham I'm not liking the fact that Mitrovic isn't getting as many minutes as I think he should be getting and 
that will be their downfall in this game. If they don't have an attacker that can actually hold the ball up when they do get it forward against Liverpool, then they're just going to lose it again. I think either they're going to be pressed to death from the front and then once you finally get it forward you need someone that can hold it up if it's just bouncing straight back um two liverpool players who are really good at getting on the second balls and stuff like that then it's going to be a long afternoon for them so um, i agree with you with the three nil win i'm not too brave in calling a goal scorer because i'm not sure how klopp's going to line the team up with that midweek fixture um coming up and this being another game away from home so that will be two away trips for them in a week um it it could be quite telling but a team that follows this one in terms of the fixture list it's a struggling arsenal side versus a struggling burnley side i i I could see this being a draw considering the form of both teams but surely someone has to win this jake yeah um yeah you've got to think so and i think that if you look at um the way Arsenal have been playing has not been great, but they've had some pretty tricky fixtures. Um, see, I'm I'm not quite as down on them as everybody else seems to be. I think that I still have a bit of faith in Arteta. I think some of his comments recently have been a little bit questionable about crosses and how important they are. I think he's uh, he does seem like he's having a bit of he's losing his mind a little bit, and, and that can happen uh, with managers. But yeah, they've got a nice run coming up. I think um, the Burnley game is a good one to have to start it, but. Southampton and Everton, both good teams, but both teams that, that can be got at defensively. Um, and then they've got Chelsea, Brighton, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Newcastle. It eases up for them a little bit. So I think that we're going to see Arsenal go on a little bit of a, a good run. Um, and I think that maybe we might see Aubameyang start to score a few goals because he's been noticeably quiet so far. But a player who's as, who has the quality of Aubameyang is not going to continually uh, struggle to get on the score sheet. So yeah, I think, that, I think it's going to be a a tight game. I don't think there's going to be many goals in there. I think it's going to be very nervy for Arsenal, but um, I think eventually they'll have the, the talent to get through. So I'm going to tip a nervy 1-0 win, but I think it's a nervy 1-0 win that's going to push them on to better things in the coming weeks. And I think that that's much needed for their fans and Mikel Arteta. I, I think it would be important for them just to get the win, regardless of how ugly or pretty it comes, just get a win on the scoreboard because the pressure is definitely starting to mount a lot more on Arteta. And as you say, I, I don't think he's bad. I actually think he could be a really successful manager in the right club. And you would have thought Arsenal would have been the right club, but it just seems like from off the pitch antics, there's something that's really wrong with the club as a whole. And he's not maybe getting the backing that he needs for his style of management and also just in general it seems like things are not going too well at Arsenal um for this game as I said I, I think they just need a win uh it may come with a pretty display which I I would love for it to happen but I don't see them having such a game against a Burnley side who I think they're going to be up for this game if, if there's a game against a big team that you're going to be up for this season it's going to be away to Arsenal because you know you can frustrate them you know you can try and make it physical against them and they haven't shown too much fight this season although they've got the quality to like just they've got enough quality to score the goals they're just not giving them the opportunities to do so Um, I'm gonna go with a 1-1 draw and I know that's gonna be bad <laughs> from an Arsenal perspective I think it'll be good for Burnley to, to come away with a, a point in this game but I just think Arsenal seem to be struggling at the moment and it would then pose the question of how much more time are they going to give Arteta I, I would love to think they give him more time but then their hands might become t- tied in this one if they do get a draw in this game and it ends 1-1 as I said how much longer do you think Arteta has uh, they don't seem like a club that would just fire a manager that quickly um, especially after what he did last season in the Cups Yeah um, I I think that they're going to give him time uh, I think he could probably get the season regardless of what happens um, but I think it's going to improve he, he won the FA Cup last year and there's so much optimism about him 
yeah, they've had a few a few bad results. It's it's not looking great for them. Um, but the league table isn't isn't as um, is as spread out as it normally is. They're, they're on thirteen points. That's only eleven points off the top. And I mean, they're not looking at the top, but a couple of wins they'd quickly be be moving off that table. Um, only only six points away from Manchester United at the moment. Um, five points off Manchester City. It's not. It's not looking awful for Arsenal. They just need to get a couple of wins. They need to. T- they've had six losses in eleven games, which isn't great. But they need to start turning those losses into draws and wins. And I think they'll slowly get there. Um, so yeah, I, I think they'll give them time. I think they've, they've the, the way that that you know spun spun the PR on uh, Arteta is that they they think he's the man to, to lead them forward, and I think they they will give him time. So yeah, I, I don't think he's in any immediate danger. Def, definitely seems that. Solskjaer, despite being higher up the the, the league table, is, is is in more imminent danger than Arteta, and and I think that's probably right because I think that I've seen a lot more from Arsenal that that I can buy into long term. It's it's a, it's definitely a slow rebuilding process. There's still a lot a lot of work to do there, but yeah, I think that he deserves at least a whole one one full season to to really get his ideas across. Well, two managers that don't seem like they're in trouble. Uh, it's Brendan Rodgers and Graham Potter, Leicester City versus Brighton. How do you see this game panning out? Uh, Leicester City side will be obviously buoyed by the result last week, maybe a bit frustrated with how long it took to get there. Uh, and, and against a Brighton side who, for all the good work they do before they get to the goal or before they get to the, you know defending, stopping the ball, getting into their, their goal, do they start to? Do they need to start racking up just wins, irrespective of how they play, or do they they just stick to their style of play and and trust the system and the process and believe that that's going to see them through? Yeah, this is going to be a, a, an interesting game. I think, um, as you say, Brighton oh, always so good to watch that you can see. I think they're quite good at the back. I think they're quite good going forward. They just don't seem to be getting the results to back that up. They just seem to be consistently um, in this 16th, 17th position since they got promoted. And although you can see the progress, it must be frustrating for fans. Two wins out of 11 matches. It doesn't look great. Um, and they've got a real... I guess they'll be really looking over their shoulder because um, this is a tricky game against Leicester. Leicester, very inconsistent, but they've got 21 points from 11 games. That's a really good return. Um, four losses, seven wins. They, you either get a good Leicester or a bad Leicester. And I think that playing them at, right at the end of this Europa League run is gonna gonna be beneficial to Brighton. I think that Leicester have got a smaller squad than a lot of the other teams in the top six, uh, six or seven. I think they'll they'll be feeling a little bit of fatigue. Um, we've seen West Ham um, and Fulham get good results against them. Um, so yeah, I think that this this could be a promising one for Brighton. I think at some point they're going to get that big win, and yeah, I think it could be this weekend. I think that. Um, if it does come, I don't think Brendan Rodgers would be any um, under any pressure because I think they're still overachieving throughout the throughout his time in charge. But yeah, I think Brighton might get a win this weekend. I think that they might um, get that crucial three points. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to tip the two-one Brighton win. But I think that it's going to be a really good watch. As it always is with Brighton, they're always one of the better teams to watch. If you, if you as a neutral, if you're going to sit down and watch two or three Premier League games at the weekend, always make sure that Brighton's one of them because they might not get the wins, but they're always entertaining to watch. Um, and yeah, always always give matches with a few goals in it. So yeah, I think that I'm excited for this one. And I'm going to tip Brighton to win because I think it's about time they get a big win. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how they get on. I'm, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Leicester win. I do think that Leicester will carry that good momentum into this week and for all the beautiful play that's going to be in this game I think the finishing quality of Vardy is going to be the difference and he's going to get both goals from my perspective your scoreline again Jay? Uh, 2-1 Brighton 2-1 Brighton so we've mirrored each other uh, in terms of the scoreline this is the last fixture obviously for the specific weekend um, that's going to do it for us on an episode on this episode of a tad predictable. Jake, do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Uh, 
Yeah, you can get all my writings on EPL Index. I've got something uh, going up about Paul Pogba and uh, a little look at his statistical decline over the last couple of years uh, and compared him a little bit to, to what Fernandez is doing. So yeah, give that one a read when it goes up. Um, from my end, uh, you can go and check out all the other EPL Index website um, content, including the work that Jake is doing. Jake, you also had an article on Jose, uh, Jose Mourinho and the defensive job that he's doing at Spurs. Do you want to speak a bit about that? I enjoyed reading that one. Yeah, so I just went and looked a, a little bit about um, the way Tottenham have been defending, a little bit of, of the stats and how it has improved because uh, the recent clean sheet record is very, very good. So yeah, I've uh, looked into that and I think that we've got the old Mourinho back. I think that he, 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 people thought he's maybe losing his ability to coach at the very top level, but he, Tottenham just seemed to suit him and the players have been buying into it and the stats back up the results that you're seeing on the pitch. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, Spurs fans should be excited despite me predicting them to lose this weekend. I'm, I'm generally high on them and I'd agree with their their place at top of the team rankings, but um, just, think, <laughs> just think they might slip up this weekend. Awesome, awesome read. I highly recommend that one. Um, check out all the other stuff that's on eplindex.com. You can, only, you can also listen to our daily podcast show, The Two Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick. And finally, also check out our flagship show. Uh, it runs weekly, the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from the respective EPL teams, reviewing and previewing the happenings around the EPL. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at a tad predictable. Uh, follow at EPL Index on Twitter as well, and then uh, subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your, on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write some positive comments. That stuff really, really helps us out and, and get us out there. Um, to end it off, I've been Tadio Chanakiri. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. Uh, the lovely lady you heard doing our guest intros, Jody, is at Spursy141. Our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle, at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Jake Jackman. That's at Jake Jackman with two N's. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Sports Social Podcast Network.